1: This is the Eyes on Isles podcast powered by the Fan and Sports Network. I am your host, Joe Bono. Follow me on Twitter at Isles Fix and subscribe to our Monday through Friday Islanders newsletter. And I'm joined once again by our full-time recurring guest, a t-shirt fashion designer, Mr. Andy Francis. How are you, sir?
2: Well, it's been an annoying process trying to get those shirts done because I'm one of those people like, you know, if they say, Hey, we want you to make some shirts. We'll buy them for you. I'm not going to zazzle and printing out something. Not Cafe if you Press. To, if you yeah, go to Cafe Press. Order shirts so that if somebody asks you something in the back seat and you turn, you're burning your neck because of that material. I want to make sure that I did it right. So there was a process where I ordered samples and I wanted to f- see how they felt. And now that we got those things, now it's printing because I don't want to screw the people. Like you know what I'm saying my first thought if some guy online is selling shirts is that it's absolute trash. So I, I kind of just put that thought into their heads for them and just said, okay, I cannot do that. They're probably thinking, they're probably not relying on me to come through with a comfy shirt. That looks good. And I've tried to do my extension. So where are shirt. the, how
1: do people get the, uh, is believin shirts, uh, that sniffing are now is, is believe Joel uh, Osteen uh, inspired, uh, logo. Absolutely. Uh, well, they're kind of
2: all on pre-sale on my Instagram shop. And then soon in the next day or so they will be on (laughs) sniff drip, dot dot but right on my instagram if you just go to the view shop you can see some of the items i'm going to be adding one more and then i'm going to ship them out right before playoffs start and then you know people around the country are going to be watching and hoping for bets and they're going to be wearing the sniffing is believing when they need to keep that score under six and a half
1: now the question is is islanders country is isles nation uh believing uh, right now in the New York Islanders. We're recording this now on Tuesday night. Islanders got some help. The Devils uh, handling uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, beating them 5-2. to two. But the Florida Panthers win their fourth game in a row, 2-1 over the Buffalo Sabres. So as things stand right now, the Islanders remain in playoff position, but Florida now has jumped them into the top wild card spot. Both teams have exactly 87 points, but Florida has one more regulation win. And Pittsburgh also has played the exact same amount of games right now, 78. They're one point behind the Islanders following tonight's loss to the New Jersey Devils, who are three points behind Carolina um, for that two seed overall and in the Metropolitan Division. So obviously a lot of attention for us as Islander fans on the wildcard position, but still a lot to be decided as well when it comes to the Metropolitan Division. And I will say, Andy, I got a little... I was a little overconfident. I felt like, uh, you know, we were we'd recorded right after the shootout victory over Washington, and I was just so yeah. surprised that they picked up that win. I was expecting them to lose uh, in the shootout once again only get that one point. I was so invigorated by it that I just said, okay, they, they're going to be all right. They're going to be in this playoff position. I'm not really understanding what was ahead of them over the course of this weekend. I thought maybe your presence at the Tampa Bay Lightning game on April 1st was going to propel them and inspire them to a better yeah, performance. Right. But uh, you did uh, not see an Islander goal uh, with your brother in your bougie seats um, on Saturday night.
2: Well, interestingly enough, um, it was just a crazy coincidence. My cousin, uh, Chris nikic who is he's uh, the first um, person with Down syndrome to complete an Ironman. He dropped the puck for the opening face-off, and I wasn't expecting him to be there. And oh all of a sudden, I I saw him, and then I texted him and went up to his... So there was a lot of good that came out of going to that game. We had a great time there. And you know what I said about you know a lot of the Islander fans, what I've called them in the past? I won't even repeat it, because I feel Please like our relationship mm-hmm. is somewhat on the mend. But let's just say uh, the Tampa fans were somewhat kinder to my brother and myself, but remember, I like that. I like that Nick Bosa couldn't go into Philadelphia or Joey Bosa rather, and I like that they ridiculed him and they turned him into a social media uh, moment, but it was uh, it was not a great game to go to in terms of what happened out there on the ice. I don't think we've won a regular season game in Tampa since 2019, and uh, I guess that just continued, and you were a little overconfident. I, I didn't get it. You were like, "Yeah, nice to get that extra point, yeah
1: it was just so weird uh, sit on victories and get collect my thoughts, but we just recorded you know minutes after the game, and I just got swept away by the emotion of the victory where um I looked at the standings at where they were, and they were in the driver's seat I, you know that money puck ninety two percent was getting at me, and I was just um just thinking that one way or the other they were gonna find themselves in the playoff picture. And obviously after those two consecutive losses, 5 nothing to Tampa with you and your brother uh, wearing the big hat. I saw you at least model it, although I think your brother was probably the one wearing it throughout the course of the game. Yeah. And uh, that was a game where first period was okay, and then the second period obviously uh, was an onslaught. Braden Point does his, does what he always does to the Islanders. And, um, you know, they had 38 shots, but, you know, Vasilevsky, and you, you even mentioned it on the podcast last week, you were like, Tampa's starting, Tampa just shut out so-and-so. Like, they're really starting to find their defensive game, and Vasilevsky's, you know, finding his Vesna type playoff form. And that was a quintessential Vasilevsky performance on, on Saturday.
2: They do this every year. I caught John Cooper finally slip up before round one of the playoffs, and he said in an interview, he goes, listen, the type of hockey we play in the playoffs is not sustainable for 82 games. So it kind of looks different when the playoffs start. I've never forgot that. That's why all the Sniffers made a ton of money on Tampa Bay because people built up a season's worth of what they thought and then just forgot that this is a collapsing team that wants to play you 2-1. to one. As soon as they go up by one, they're playing the trap just as much as the Islanders, but they just don't get crap for it because they still have skilled players who will score skilled goals. That's the little, the little kind of caveat between teams who play the trap versus boring teams. So if you have Kaprazov, you can play the trap all you want and it's no big deal, but if you don't, and you just have a bunch of 20 something goal scores, then now you're a boring team, this, that, and the other and Tampa, they fully sit everybody back, which is why all their elimination games are one, nothing, two to one and everything like that. But we were seeing their dry run of the playoffs. They shut out Carolina. They won 5-1 against Washington, and then they shut us out. My guess is their last game in the dry run is against the Rangers. On the road, tough opponent, won't have last change. Shosturkin, Vasilevsky, then it's a back-to-back, and Vasilevsky won't be playing that one against the Islanders. I'm nearly certain. I'm nearly certain because Vasilevsky hates sitting for long stretches, and he hasn't played since Saturday. There's no way. There is, like Vince McMahon, no chance in hell that he's not starting against the Rangers.
1: And right now, Tampa's six points behind uh, Toronto, so still uh, an it's outside chance. It's I know I know, that. it's not about that, but in terms of the games meeting things for playoff positioning, I know you're talking more about... Them, them getting ready and fine-tuning themselves in the playoffs. So maybe the Islanders um, miss Vasilevsky on Thursday night. And then the game in Carolina, you know, obviously Sorokin gets pulled. Uh, Varlamov comes in the third period. We don't know whether or not um, the plan was all along to play Sorokin or that extra rest was the reason why. And uh, they get into a 2-1 game with Carolina. They get the Pierre Engvall goal, who uh, just continues to put up points and, and find ways to contribute. Uh, for this team. And you're thinking, well, he set up the Pajot goal, excuse me, um, which was the Islanders' first goal since the Engval goal and regulation that came in the second period against the Washington Capitals. So he continued to make things happen. And then you got to the third period. It was 20 minutes and it was 1-1. And it was just like, can you just steal a point in this game? Can you just get a point? That's all you were looking for at that point. You were like, can we just play 20 minutes, not give up much, and somehow come out of here with a point? And, uh, of course, they give, up the, they give up the goal. And they had really no chances in this game. And I think that was uh, what was disappointing about it is that, you know, and sometimes the effort is there and it doesn't translate into scoring. And we know how good Carolina is defensively. I think they've given up the second-fewest goals in the league only behind Boston. The Islanders just did not generate anything. Um, at one point, it looked like they had – you know, four high danger chances somewhere around the second period. And I swear I thought natural stat trick was lying because it just didn't feel like they had any. And then they had the one power play towards the end of the game, Bo Horvat has the puck, has the potential, a point on his stick in the slot. I mean, it's exactly the player you want, exactly in the position you want. It wasn't like a horrible shot. He got it on net, but it was blocked aside by Anderson. But a goal that, you know, when he's going well, he's probably finding the twine. And uh, then, you know, had Sebastian Aho on Sebastian Aho, Aho crime and uh, the final, you know, the kind of wiped out two minutes there towards the end. And that pretty much was was everything. And then I know that you caught caught this and it was definitely a topic at practice earlier today was Rod Brindermore's comments um, about how looking at that game, the effort his team put out there, considering their position in the in the standings uh, compared to the Islanders. It's just nice to see somebody else notice that because throughout
2: the whole course of the season, I just go, where's the desperation? Where, where, Where's the team that like really needs this? That there, it's, it's, you know, balls to the wall, leave everything out on the ice. And I completely agree with Brindamore. I'm just happy to see an NHL head coach confirm it because normally they don't like to say things like that. Yeah, he was surprised that they weren't more desperate. Don't short sell what the Islanders just did. The Carolina Hurricanes, this is the absolute best stretch to be playing them. They have been playing awful hockey. The only team other than us they've been able to beat in that stretch has been the Montreal Canadiens. When you you look going back, they lost to Detroit in the last minute. They lost to uh, Tampa. They got shut out by. They can't score in any of
1: these games. They could. Well, they, you know? they won tonight. They won tonight. They got a goal in overtime to... Uh, to defeat Ottawa, but yes,
2: yeah, a goal in overtime to an injury-depleted Ottawa team in their own building, where they couldn't score two in regulation, more than two in regulation. Once again, this is Ottawa, a team who everybody scores four or five against. Carolina is as ripe for the picking as anyone. If there was any time to steal a point, it's over there with the way their power play is also struggling and the way their offense is struggling to generate chances. And you know. Listen, in no way shape or form is this criticism of the guy as a whole. He's gotten better every single year. He's probably the Islanders' best player, but Sorokin needs to make the save on the first goal. He just needs to. It's squirt it is not a bullet. It's not it's not labeled for the corner. It nicks his arm and trickles behind him. That was a soft shot. It wasn't directly from the slot. It was deep enough where my issue with him and it's been the same since his rookie year, he looks small. There's always a lot of net to shoot at. And when it comes to dekes and one-timers, and we mentioned this during the shootout, that's where he excels. Covering the ice, one-timers, getting across, covering up back doors. But when it comes to picking corners on him, and look at the second goal, two-on-one, high in the net, straight in. That's my concern with him. And typically that usually doesn't translate as well in the playoffs when there's a ton of traffic in front of the net usually it's the bigger goalies with better positioning that succeed the most and you know we all remember what happened against boston they were picking corners on him left and right in the playoffs but once again that was you know two seasons ago but he kind of really needs to make that save he does
1: yeah we'll not pick on uh Sorokin here during during this um, podcast no, no. here but he does it's not his I, game it, I it will say this his, though yeah he has he has a lot of stinkers too <laughs> I yeah. mean you look at you'd be surprised I think Islander fans if you look back at the course of the games and look at the just the game by games how many four goal and five goal games that he's allowed no it's even down in his goals against average because of the shutouts and, and obviously the stat earlier in the season about him having the highest percentage of the shootout shootouts but you kind of t- you can kind of there are games that kind of get away from him, and I don't know what the reason is, but there have been just too many. He's too good of a goaltender, and his reputation is too good to give up as many four and five goal games um, as, as he had over the last couple of, couple of seasons. Um, 100% game is not on him at all. He played
2: fine. Uh, I, I'm just looking. What is the fake Thomas Hickey line? This period was a series of moments. Well, it is that what it is. Game, that game was only a handful of chances really for both sides. And that save, I think would have, uh, you know, I think going into the third period, one, nothing that, that kind of changes everything a little bit, but you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. And and, it...
1: and what it is for the Islanders are, are four games left. Now, after the weekend, they no longer held their destiny for the playoffs. Um, considering that Pittsburgh could have finished with one point more than them. And then, Florida, if they ran the table, would have at minimum more regulation wins. Um, now, with the way the game is unfolded Tuesday night, Islanders again, you know, control their own destiny um, at least for a playoff spot. And you look right now at the remaining schedule. This Tampa game on Thursday, on paper, is by far the hardest, and. Um, <laughs> I mean, they have been, obviously, this team's nemesis, knocking them out of the postseason on consecutive years in the conference finals, NHL semifinals, whatever you want to call it, in in, in 2021. This is a game where the crowd's got to be in there, and you got to, you know, if the three consecutive days off, and we'll get into kind of what they were doing on the power play in a second. It's going to be hard. It kind of feels, and I know, Andy, I don't want to jump ahead like I did last week, but it kind of feels like if they win this game, they're going to make the playoffs, even though you have these other three games to play. How can you say something
2: like that after you've seen them lose to Columbus, Buffalo, things like that? They, along with Pittsburgh, along with Florida, all of them can lose any game at any time. Like from the movie Scream, everybody's a suspect. Well, same thing. Each of these teams are suspect, and they can lose any of them. They. Absolutely. I guess what I'm trying
1: to say is if they're going to make the postseason, it feels like they will win this game, and there'll be some combination of points in the last three. If they lose on Thursday and now have lost three consecutive games and again kind of fall back and no longer control their destiny, the confidence level in, in their, their ability to you know probably have to run the table for all three games after that, Seems unlikely now. Anything can happen, you know. There could, you know, there could be unlikely heroes. You can have Matt Barzell make it a, a Willis Reed, may rest in peace type come back on come back for a game and be an emotional boost. Uh, he skated again uh, before the team took practice here on Tuesday, or maybe Bo Horvat finally gets hot. A lot of things obviously can happen, but it feels okay that it would be really hard to run the table after a third consecutive loss starting with Philadelphia on Saturday night. It feels like they need to get, certainly one, but, but more realistically, two points uh, against an opponent, opponent that's given them fits.
2: Can you imagine if Braden Point like spearheads a win- and he essentially eliminates us from the playoffs for the third time in four years? I think that Tampa game just, I guess... Take to agree with sniff- me? What, that, that if they lose that game the confidence in them to win three straight kind of goes out the window. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm telling you, you shouldn't have that confidence to begin with. They can win the next two and then lose the last, like they can lose any game. And I'm sorry to like break that to you, but I don't know how no one has learned that to this point. But as far as that Thursday game goes, I'm supremely confident they're going to win that game. Be just because, you know, you take the sniffer part of me. I know what is doing. They do this year after year. They're doing their dry run. Wednesday's literally their dress rehearsal, and Thursday is the Elliott, and all their veterans are going to get minimal minutes. You're going to see them run their depth players way more on the ice than they are. It means nothing to them. But the Wednesday game really is a test because that's not going to be too dissimilar when, look, they're opening the playoffs to start in Toronto, okay? Uh, the MSG of the North up there. So... When you consider the rivalry that they built with the Rangers, you know the Rangers want to beat them to send a message too. So there is going to be, you know, there's going to be good energy in that building, and that's a game that I think Tampa is going to want to put a nice little exclamation point on this little dry run that they've been going through. And then I truly believe they're going to be mailing it in the next night. You know, we've seen a mail-in beat the Islanders before, but hopefully uh, they won't uh, lack desperation like they apparently did in. Carolina, so much to the point where Brenda Moore said that they did. And did you see Lane Lambert uh, kind of when he was asked about it? I I did. That's where so. Yeah. So he says, so he disagreed with it. He disagreed with Brenda Moore's assessment, but then went on to say he was happy that there was two days off because he felt the team lacked the pace and energy in that last
1: game, and they needed to work I on something. The whole things. quote here: He goes, "I thought we battled. I thought we competed." You guys asked me before what I thought about Rod Bridmore. I said I respect his opinion. He's an honest guy. When we were there late in October, the game you love, Andy. He said it's the best game we see the Islanders team play since he's been in Carolina. He was honest with his opinion the other day. There's some things I didn't like, and we're addressing them, correcting them, and moving ho- forward here. So.
0: No, but I watched that
2: interview, but when he kept going, he talked like he got into what was not good. He said the pace and like the energy. He's essentially agreeing with Brenda Moore. So it's like that's what I was just laughing because he's like, no, I disagree. I, I don't think that we lack desperation. So what was wrong? Oh, well, we just didn't have pace and we weren't really pushing it out there. Oh, okay, A.K.A. you lack desperation. But it's, it's, I mean, it's fine. And
1: then just for those who hadn't seen the exact Brendan quote, even though we're kind of giving you the good context and paraphrasing, he said that, you know, the Islanders here are playing for their lives. And he thought that his team was the team that would looked a little bit more desperate. And it says a lot about his group. So he knows where they're in the standings. He knew where the Islanders are in the standings. He would have figured that the Islanders would play the more desperate type of hockey. And that's not what he saw on the ice. And like you said, when he expanded on his comments, Ian Lambert seemed to agree with that assessment as well. So at practice today on Tuesday, the power play again got another makeover. Uh, four games to try to figure this thing out, and um, what they came up with for practice um, here on Tuesday that we're likely going to see on Thursday, provided they get a power play opportunity is the top line, which I'm going to call the top line right now in terms of production of Engel, Nelson, and Paul Mary. You have the three of them with Zach Parisi uh, being the net presence on that power play one with Noah Dobson. And then the other group, PP2, is Bo Horvat, Anders Lee. Um, Are with, you sure you um, didn't flip that? Flip Didn't what?
2: you read? W-
1: wasn't the Horvat unit the, the, the top unit? Uh, at practice? Yeah. Uh, maybe. I, I, I'm sorry if I misspoke. But, yeah, the other line is Anders Lee, Pajot with Horvat. Ryan Pulak is on that left wall spot. And then he was uh, kind of going rotating back and forth, Sebastian Aho and Samuel Bulldog. So a little bit of a mix-up and change. Uh, Bo Horvat basically said during – during media availability, you know, you can't keep beating a dead horse. Something something has to change. You got to change something up. And the stats are pretty woeful. Uh, five for the last 46, uh, 11% since the Barzell injury. And as we've mentioned on the show previously, they were uh, pretty stellar, sparkling six for 18 in those uh, six games that Barzell did play with Horvat, but it's been uh, few and far between since. I, I so disagree I, with these combos that they're, you
2: know, they just refuse. They don't want to say, you know what, Andy had it right, so we'll just continue to just keep circling through rotations that won't work. The optimal mix is putting your best shooters out there all on the ice to free up the areas in between the seams. You And you here they got Pulak need... and Palmieri split again. Again, again. Pulak at the top. Palmieri to his left Horvat to the right. If you want, you put Andersley in front and you can use Pajo in the bumper so much to the point where if Pajot wants to drift out, he can act, uh, uh, take that spot that Barzal had. And then you can have Horvat drift into his bumper and you can work it back and forth, but you have to have these shots on the ice. It's like, once again, they're going to be predictable. And I know, that Bolduc and – but still, they're saying they're going with Aho out there. Now, I got news for you, Isles fans. This is going to be junk. It's so easy to see. It is so easy to see. It is not the right mix of ingredients. The only chance is having – all of your shooters out there together and somebody who could at least drift in between them and distribute because they have embraced right now. So they've embraced that Horvat can't just sit in the bumper because sadly enough, he's one of our best passers, even though he's a shooter. So they've now said, okay, we're going to pull him from that comfort zone and we're going to allow him to drift along. He's going to work the outside a little, a little bit where Nelson was occupying. So they've admitted that now just take that same philosophy and Put the shooters out there with that. But no, they won't do it. Maybe they'll do it at the, the last game of the season. Maybe just to prove, oh, there it was. We could have done this the last 20 games. It's it's tough, man. It's tough for me to watch when, when, when there is a potential. I'm not guaranteeing, but when you're looking at a bottom of the barrel, nothing works power play. It's just crazy to me. I, I mentioned that they had to stumble in. Or Lane Lambert had to stumble into Sezikis having chemistry with Barzal. He didn't have the foresight to try to throw that mix together, but injuries forced him to actually find that chemistry. Well, it's the same kind of thing here. I don't know why he's not able to see this or or try it out there. Like, Noah Dobson just sat on the back of that power play for how many games in a row? Like, even just, just change one guy at least. Give... Pulak a shot, a guy who has a highlight tape of those shots, a guy who drilled one from the deep blue line within a week and a half, two weeks ago. But no, we won't. We'll just continue to fail. And he talks about how
1: theory. it's about not putting necessarily just putting a player. Hey, you be in this spot, you be in the other spot that power plays are predicated on players, you know, moving around. But, you know, you talked about the passing, you know, the team, like you said, I think it's twofold. They, they don't move the puck around quickly. And even if they did, they're not setting up anyone with that shot um, that you have to be worried about. I mean, they never they didn't even do it well when even when Oliver Wallstrom was was healthy. You would see it maybe at times he would get some opportunity there on the left circle in the Ovechkin type spot, but it didn't really happen with any kind of uh, consistency. So listen, um, you know, you look at where the Islanders are in the standings, you look at where they are in terms of overall power play uh, 30th in the league. And you just have to think to yourself, if they were just, you know, 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th in the league, uh, when it came to power play this year, you know, would they be comfortably in a playoff position at this point? How many, how many goals, um, you know, could they have had, even though they have a, a plus 12, I think overall goal differential this year, you know, if they just had an average power play as opposed to one that's, you know, been beyond bad and is often giving up the better opportunities shorthanded uh, when they do have the man advantage. So it doesn't look like Andy, you're going to get your way uh, come Thursday. Um, hopefully, it's hopefully there's a spark there. I mean, it's not it's not like they're trying to do the exact same thing over and over again, but they kind of are in the same. I kind of like disagree, moving. and that's all they've that's been what doing it for at. how like, long already? It's it's like they're shuffling around the pieces, but it's not creating the mix that's fundamentally different, um, per se. And certainly you don't think that they're you know, coaching them any different at this point. They're probably saying the exact same things they've been saying all year and emphasizing the same things that they've been emphasizing all year. And it's just a matter of, you know, will there be some kind of spark uh, lit when you have a certain mix there? I don't know. But yeah, that second, that second unit with, uh, or the second unit I mentioned, I'd say, you know, a Pulak and Aho and Bulldog, uh, uh I, I don't know you know and having Parisi as the only net pre- net presence I'm, I'm wondering why he's choosing that over 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 lee with that group kind of be curious well, you to know, see I that i was asking somebody about this today
2: when's the last time you've seen anders lee tip a puck on the power play or bang home a rebound where he's absorbing a
1: uh, like a cross check to the back I well, mean, he's gone on the funk the same way Horvat's gone in the funk. I mean, the two of them just have not been able to do anything together. And yeah, I mean, on the power play, yes, as well. But we're just—you know—he had a—he had a stretch where you looked at—you looked at his stats and you said, "Okay, right, Anders Lee's going to be right around thirty goals uh, this year," and he, he's obviously kind of gotten to a, another offensive funk here towards the end of the season.
2: Yeah, I'm just saying, like you know, I don't think you should be too—you know—when you're talking about a net front presence. They're the last link. Like they're okay. You're getting pucks to the net. Like you are getting those one time as you're getting shots through. And then they're the person who's got to be able to put themselves in position to either tip the puck, tip the puck, or uh, clean up loose rebounds. But we're not even at that point yet. So I guess that's kind of where some of Andrews Lee's struggles come. from. Yeah, Lee's but.
1: got one goal in the last.
2: You know what's wild? So they're games. willing. They're willing Only, to as juggle a goal the in Toronto. Walls.
1: That's his last goal.
2: They're willing to juggle the lines on a daily basis and do things that make no sense just for whatever reason, you know, like toss, uh, toss fashion on the top line. They'll do that game in game out, but they'll wait 32 games for the power play to actually try to maybe move things around. I just wish that there was that same type of juggling when it came to the power play to find that rather than. Okay, yeah, I guess there's four games left. Let's try something else. Now's a great time to tinker with the season on the line.
1: And this isn't uh, much of a tinker, but second consecutive time with back-to-backs, Holmstrom out and Bailey in. And... Uh, you, know, you know, the idea that, like, oh, we got to keep players fresh. I mean, Simon Holmstrom is, what, 21 years old? <laughs> That's not, like, you're not fresh. really worried. Yeah, he's fresh. It's not it's, it's not like, well, if it was the reverse where you're like, well, Bailey, I don't want to play him back-to-back nights. I'm going to insert the young guy. And if he was playing well, you could kind of make sense. But to have him just be a healthy scratch and kind of obviously is kind of on his way. So he's obviously out of, the, out of the rotation regularly at, at this point, but to kind of throw him these token games both times on these back-to-backs, I don't understand what the yep, purpose just come was in, behind
2: Come it. in and get a loss with Bailey. That's it. Pull him on, get a loss. Just like that Buffalo game where he, he could have, yeah, if yeah, he, he had Meaposo half goal. of a wheel, yeah, if he had half of a wheel, he would have been able to catch up with him. But just no lessons learned from that. And I'm just going to say something about Holmstrom because I understand there may be some people who use that – single factor analysis where they just say oh what do you mean he has three goals Bailey has three goals look at that well if you were to ask Islanders fans I think it's pretty understood that the reason their season turned around especially post Barzal injury is what would you say that it was defense structure 100%. And the majority of people, they're not really like, that's what people were saying. Oh, they went back to the trots way. It's about the, so if we now all agree that the trots way is what got us into this, then we're focusing on defense. So why would you put one of take one of the worst defensive players and insert him into the lineup at the expense of one of the best defensive players? Because remember you just said, And I'm a theoretical you, not you, Joe. But a theoretical you just admitted, yeah, we're doing it the Trotz way. So if you're trying to maximize the Trotz way, why are you putting in your biggest defensive liability at forward at the expense of essentially your best or second best defensive forward? Just cement Holmstrom on the third line, make it a shutdown unit. That's what they are, already has Pajot. And any offense that springs from that is a bonus. How is this difficult to understand? It, yeah, without without not.
1: knowing the obviously the conversations that were had, it's almost like you know, and Lambert's obviously has made Bailey a healthy scratch more than Barry Trotz did. And you know, I think Bailey's play has fallen off. Um, you know, and obviously a lot of people were not happy with his play prior to the last uh couple seasons, but it's fallen off since then. And it's almost like he's uh, owing him these opportunities on these back to backs because of him being, you know, a veteran and and a good guy. And I don't know what the reasoning is because you can't find other than the fact that Holmstrom's not giving you offense, but again, the way they're winning games were not built necessarily on that spot, giving you offense, and you watch Bailey and these opportunities he's had. It's not like all of a sudden you're seeing him skate at a different level that he has. It looked like he's playing more desperate as an individual, uh, given what his current state is with the team and that he's not guaranteed a spot uh, within the four within the four lines. You're, you're just not seeing it. He's just kind of playing the same game that we've seen all year. Um before we take a break, I just want to address a couple of things on the blue line. Alexander Romanov did not practice again on Tuesday. He got tackled, kind of pulled down from the ground from Corey, Pe- Corey Perry um, in Tampa, has an upper body injury. He obviously has been playing really well in the in the second half of the season. So that means, you know, Ajo was healthy enough to come back. He got inserted into the lineup. It also means Samuel Bulldogs right now. So, you know, one of the Islander better defensemen, and he had been playing so well with Ryan Pulak. Uh, Romanov is out. And then just Noah Dobson, Um, you know, a lot of chatter online, uh, on social media. I usually don't kind of get involved, don't have the time during the course of the day to do that. But, you know, you mentioned kind of the, oh, people look at Belly. Oh, he has three goals. Holmstrom has three goals. Dobson is one of these players where it's hard to get a feel as to what their proper assessment of him should be because it's almost like the, the, the people that are detractors of Dobson are almost detractors be- against the perception of how certain fans have of him because he scores goals and that he's a kind of an offensive defenseman and that he's young that if you just looked at him on the surface you would recognize he's a 23-year-old player he has some good offensive skills he's not hasn't really progressed defensively but he's still an overall plus value I think on most NHL teams but there's a a segment I think of the fan base has just kind of seen enough of him Uh, defensively where they're very frustrated with the player he has not yet become. And then you have another segment of the, of the fan base that still feel like he has this huge ceiling. It's very, very interesting kind of, the perceptions around Dobson are, are really all over the place, I think, from a fan base perspective.
2: Well, because of the same reason you'd have people want to bench Holmstrom because he isn't putting up points are the same people who will support Dobson to no end because he is putting It's just points, points. I don't care. Minus five doesn't matter. I got three points, and that's all I wanted. This guy got three points, and I could say he has this many points. Makes points, points, usually points, one points, bad, points.
1: bad defensive
2: either decision or, or play a game. Like so easily. I'm going to say what – I mean – that's really being kind, but this all stems for me from when he played with Trotz and Trotz correctly benched him in the third period of every single playoff game that was within a goal, because that is what you had to do with him. Like he w- literally would, would one goal would be the difference in a game, especially in a series like that Boston series. So that that's what happened. And here's the thing. I understand that he's very young. But typically, whether it's Rasmus Dahlin or whatnot, from 20 to 21, from 20 to 22, 20 to 20, 22 to 23, you see these incremental gains. He's actually getting progressively worse. He's losing the little confidence that he did. There's a reason people are saying, I get nervous every time he touches the puck, because it's like dawning on him. All right, well, there isn't going to be this magic. People keep saying, no, he's going to get bigger, man. He's going to get bigger. He's going to get bigger. It doesn't take six years to show who you are in the NHL. This is not 1984. You would have seen a certain amount of strides made in the defensive end. And we're not asking him to be a great shutdown player. Like that whoever, whatever ridiculous person tried comparing him to Victor Hedman because he put up the same points as Victor Hedman. Victor Hedman was tasked with Adam Pellick's defensive role, and you got Noah Dobson. What Noah Dobson, everybody's just... Gushing over that was just a bonus from Hedman. His main job was being a six-six defenseman who, or a six-four defenseman who's going to shut down the other team's top line. And he got no power play minutes because Dan Boyle was still there. So to to take Dobson's current totals, which as we learned with Bailey, you can accumulate point totals if you're just buried on the top power play, and then compare that with Hedman's, who's probably most of his came at five on five because Boyle was on that top power play. It's just such a false equi- equivalency, and I hate to sound cranky, but it's just ridiculous. Like I, I there's no, it's this gaslighting. Everybody. Uh, well, I saw the same. I saw
1: other. the same. Um, you know, back and forth online that you 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 saw, which you know, kind of is the reason why I brought it up. And and I guess it's like, why do we have to compare him to Victor Hedman? I mean, can we just get him to be a response, you know, responsible, reliable defender and be able to put up 15 to 20 goals and 40, you know, 30 30 35 assists that's a great player that's a great top four player all i want him to do is get you
2: know? to nick leddy's level of defense where nick leddy was like look i know i'm not going to be able to body anybody let me try to use my speed shiftiness you know just get the puck out and just
1: play it safe and then try
2: to contribute yeah. on it's offense. just weird but- I,
1: I think just you know just last year the way the season unraveled and he was such the lone bright spot for so much of the season was the fact that you had this emergence of this 22 year old defenseman? I think it just got everyone, or not everyone, obviously, but a big segment of the of the of the fan base just wanted to elevate him into this. Well, we have our guy, we have our next elite defender, the a guy on de, uh, on defense. I, I was so sick. and he's ours. And I know a lot of people didn't feel that way, but that was kind of like the hope, and it was just it was not founded on 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 the on the best ground and I think you know year two you were hoping to see the progression and he's been fine offensively again I think the assist numbers are a little bit down but 13 goals um, right now which are the same amount of goals he had all last season but the where you wanted to see the progress it hasn't happened And I'm not sure how much Chara meant last year, but he was there last year and the mistakes happened and he's not there this year and the mistakes are happening Come on, That that was rookie
2: thinking. That was how is it possible that in this year you're talking about when you introduced me on this show, you and I I didn't want to talk about it because I wanted to give him a year off because I thought we were playing a new system. But now, since we're back to the defensive system where we need to win games by one goal, I'm back to criticizing him because one mistake can ruin a whole game as we saw in a 2-1 game we just played. How is it possible that there are Islander fans who are comparison, comparing him to potential Norris winners? And then my video, my thread, which just could not look better today, is comparing him to Chris Campoli, a guy who you can easily <laughs> body in front of your neck. There's literally a Chris Campoli thread from last season showing all the, not just subtle catastrophic mistakes that he's making defensively. And as a guy who I told you, I always prefer defense. I don't know if this whole, the audience needs the speech from D three, where the coach holds the puck up and says, anyone can play offense. Life is about defense. You hear this. And that's kind of my philosophy. It always has been, it always breeds win winners. Top 10 defensive teams are all making the playoffs. Bottom ten, uh, top 10 offensive teams are not all making the playoffs. Noah Dobson, struggles immensely in his own end. It's been that way since day one. It hasn't improved even whatsoever. If I saw incremental gains, I would not be running my mouth right now, but it's like a massive mistake waiting to happen. And I get why people like him. People just like points. There's a reason people believe that like Crosby was a better all around player than Datsuk. It just was not the case, but just because people are enamored by offense, that's just the way it is. But Dobson to me, his ultimate ceiling, is Kevin Shattenkirk. Like a guy who can play the power play, contribute on offense, but you you have you have to deploy him like the Lightning did. A third pairing defenseman who can absolutely contribute and you can tear his minutes with the score. You're down to you get Nobs, Dobson out there as much as you can. You're up one, you have to scale back his ice time big. like that's all I've seen from him from day 1 and actually nothing has
1: changed since then. Just so. did a search on Chris Campoli on Twitter and First thing that comes up is his uh, two goals he scored in the same sequence in 2008 against uh, Columbus where the puck went in. No one realized it, and then he had to score again. Um, (laughs) um, And then there's uh, a few other items. But then if you scroll down a little bit more, there you are. Another Chris Campoli moment for Dobson. It's literally every game. The one-handed joust poke. Which oh yeah, the, the joust. When he, yeah, when he, like the jouster emoji <laughs> that you have. That's what it's there for. The joust emoji doesn't get a lot of play unless you're uh, comparing Noah Dobson to Chris Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. Anyway, to think. have you ever? I think used just. That? I really just think you know, there's certain players in any sport when a fa- that there's just differences of opinions, and I don't think it could be more wide ranging about Noah Dobson. And I think some of the people that are so vocal against him it's a counter to the people that are on the other end of the spectrum in a different way same within a Bailey, where there were a certain segment of the fan base myself included would have fun with the idea of every little thing that he did try to amplify it just to drive the other part of the fan base crazy that's wanted him scratch yeah, that's for the fine. last six years
2: that's here, what a,
1: here it's a here it's a bit of a seriousness take is this is some people feel like hey he's got a huge norris trophy ceiling other people are like what are you watching Jesus. and uh it's um
2: well, I mean, we'll his see. player it's cards are all correct. His player cards have him as some middling defense. Like, it's the thing is, Islanders have, the, the fans have a delusional belief. Like, the belief that the other people have are right on par with all the hockey analytics. Nobody views him as this crazy, like, they view him as Adam Fox. They really do. It's wild. Wa- it's
1: wild. It's, an, it's All really the stuff.
2: All the stuff lines up with the other side. There's nothing they can say other than, oh, trust me, I know, I know. No, you don't. You don't. All the metrics point towards the other direction. Do
1: you think Bruno, uh, Bruno Gervais, I think Chris Campoli knows he's being uh, compared with no doubt? <laughs> 100%. I feel like if I was if I was an ex-Islander, I would probably look 100%. at my name occasionally, and I would come across your video and be like, hey, look at me.
2: Any obscure person who kind of was relevant, I think in any Capacity, whether it's pro sports, a celebrity who had 15 minutes of fame, someone who was on a reality show, I think they give themselves the courtesy Google search, the courtesy Twitter search twice a year. And there is a 0% chance that Chris Campoli hasn't watched that video and probably hated me, but then probably snickered.
1: Oh, boy. All right, listen, let's take a break. Uh, We'll come back to a few more things. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast. Joe Bono and Andy Francis will be right back. Joe Bono and Andy Francis, Eyes on Isles podcast, the preferred podcast of one Chris Campoli, who I continue to find things about him on social media that maybe he's looked up. Did you know last year when Noah Dobson scored in the first two Islander games, he joined Chris Campoli as the only Islander defenseman to score in the first two games of the season? Exactly. Well,
2: they better be prepared to be linked for a long time because there's going to be a lot of parallels the rest of the way.
1: (laughs) Um, All right. Well, other than watching Islander hockey, this is a a very big week that I'm super excited for. Um, I am going to opening day at City Field. Now, you'll be proud of me. I barely watched each of the last two Met games, um, which – They've gotten shut out and have allowed nine runs or more in both to the Brewers. Uh, I think the first time that's happened in franchise history. But I'm excited to be there. It's going to be like 70 degrees on Thursday. It's going to be pretty cool, and then kind of come home and get settled in there for the Islander Tampa Bay. You want to Bay know game. why? You want to know why it's going to be 70? Why is it going to be 70? You're coming so this back guy's home.
2: Coming to town? Oh, you there it, it is. It You're bringing the Gulf you know, Stream a, with you.
1: It's a sniffer's delight. Are you coming in for the for for Easter? For the holiday yeah, holy yes. week yeah we're coming in we're gonna be real holy you bringing the hat uh, on the flight is your brother bringing
2: the hat on the flight you can put it in the I overhead know, I, I think i'm gonna bring some <laughs> sniff drip for you
1: i think i'm gonna bring some sniff drip know what you should do you should like have like a um like take a video for your instagram or something where like you're packing and then your suitcase is just all different of the sample shirts it's well, just like a, it's, the only thing that you, it's the only thing that you're wearing is is uh, the sniffing is believing shirts and so what's and then wild. I think for Holy Week to have that type of messaging on your that is paracinale. really funny
2: that actually is funny like the you I, should go to I, church I you should go
1: to church you, you know wear it I, I don't want to make
2: a I don't want to make a mockery all right <laughs> uh, you know my, my mom would not be thrilled like my mom. Uh, like when she sees that, she'll be like, "Oh, that's a great shirt, honey." Like you know, like you, you gotta you do have to believe. I don't think she really.
1: She'll want to buy it. She's like, "This is great material."
2: I wouldn't it's make so my mom soft. buy
1: my shirt. <laughs> my parents with uh, my book, like I got them a book, and then my mom's like, oh, "You gotta send one to Aunt Paula in Florida," and I just you know I kept on forgetting to do it, and so then they shipped the book that I had given them. To Florida, and then she's like, "Now you got to get me another book." And I'm like, "All right, order it." I don't know how. Uh, I just it's like a daily thing um, going on with them um, related to that book. But yeah, this is Holy Week as well uh, for the Catholics, and there's also By the way, Passover don't, don't, going on. Don't feel on. bad. Don't feel bad. I have to
2: record shows for my mom in New York. I have. Well, I to remember the Uber her you had. A, you had to.
1: Yeah, you had to get the Uber for her to home. That's more Florida understandable
2: from. in the moment. The fact is, it will be three o'clock. Can you record the so and so for me? Tonight? So through the whole time, you can't figure out Channel Five.
1: Forward, forward, forward. <laughs> record. <laughs> Like this is like Joey, Daddy's gonna call you. He's gonna give you the Discover card. he gotta place the order for me. I'm like, oh my god, like always, <laughs> like in the middle of my workday, like as if I'm not doing anything else. I gotta place the the order on the Discover card. Um, but yeah, but Holy Week got Passover going on. Uh, Thursday, um, we got um, I got the Met game. I got the Lightning game to kind of come home to. Um, and then you kind of have uh, the weekend, got a bunch of Easter egg hunts. You have a couple kids, Easter egg hunts. I never knew the amount of Easter egg hunts that go on. Like Easter egg hunting is like a season in suburbia. Like it's not just one day at the school. There are things happening two weeks prior to Easter or around Easter egg hunts. We're hosting one at the house and we have another one on Saturday. That's all before Easter. Now, on Easter Sunday itself, a little bit different for me this year, I will be at UBS Arena on Easter Sunday um, because Bruce Springsteen is there. And I got tickets, ah. did not know that it was going to be Easter Sunday show for Bruce. Uh, fortunately, I have someone to watch the kids uh, going out to Long Island, probably leaving around 435 o'clock. I'm super excited. I took off on Monday. Um, so that's my holy week. Very different than when I was um, younger because I was a you know Catholic school Altar server type and uh, Holy week was that was prime time as an altar server. You got very, very busy. You got you got Holy Thursday. You got to roll that into good Friday. Good Friday you used to have a rehearsal during the day because you had to, it was a three hour mass you had to prepare for <laughs> Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday, just a gauntlet of four consecutive days at church. Uh, don't do that quite a bit anymore. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to this week between Mets, not having a, uh, taking off some days from work, Islander hockey. Springsteen, I got I got big hopes. I got I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself again, but I'm getting really excited about the uh, potential here for this weekend. Yeah, and
2: also remember for these, it's it's gotta be wild card one. It can't yeah. be wild card two. Just keep that in the back of your head too. It's not a race against both teams. It's a race against the wild card two. It's gotta be the one, as Florida, you just man. saw with
1: Carolina. <sighs> Florida's hot right now. Not even playing Bobrovsky. Kind of hate, you know, I mean, Islander fans know with these backup goaltenders late in the year, you know, Dublowitz in 2007 winning uh, four games in a row and then I think uh, Lions look, won now four straight. Look, the good teams have come through for us and the bad ones have
2: not. So, Pittsburgh, they lost to Jersey, they lost to Boston. They, they got they won your Minnesota Wild
1: next. They got Andy's Minnesota Wild who have clinched already. F-
2: oh, but what are you kidding me? They're, they're, two points up on Colorado who have two yeah, games in want I know. Yeah, so they have tons to play for. But on the other side, Florida has had a cupcake couple of games. Now, we'll see how hard Toronto plays against them, but they have a Toronto and Carolina they have a the Carolina. Yes, and, and we'll Carolina see if Carolina win the game. They, they probably, something tells me they, they. I think they will, you know, because that, you know, that uh, that devil's, as long as the Devils keep winning them, I, I guess mm-hmm. you're right. We, we will see. We'll, we'll see. No, it's a lot. It's exciting. It's all going to happen
1: race. the next uh, eight, nine days here um, to, to wrap up. And, and uh, you know, it's been a while since the downers have been in this type of a race. Um, yeah, obviously, the all three years they've made the playoffs under Barry Trotz. There was really not a concern about them, you know, making the playoffs, you know, 14 and 15, 15 and 16. Same deal. You know, 2013, that shortened season, getting the eighth spot. You know, the last couple games didn't really mean anything, but, you know, it was a little bit of a race towards the end. You probably have to go all the way back to that 2007, which was incredibly wild. And obviously there's some parallels there of getting Ryan Smith and here you are getting Bo Horvat and kind of the acquisition and where you were when you made that type of move. Of course, Horvat has an extension and, and Smith did not. Um So we don't know how wild it's going to get over the last few uh, few days. That was actually on Easter Sunday, by the way, the uh the poke check from Dublowitz was on Easter Sunday. I remember uh, yeah. watching that and holding off of uh, going to where we had to go to as a family until uh, the Islander devil game was over. You know, family was not too pleased with me uh, for that. Um, what do you what do you got going on besides just being around anything else that you need to do while in New York? Genovese is closed. You can't go to the pharmacy anymore. Anything else you're gonna need to- <laughs> you need to any. do? Get it get any santa costumes uh i don't know enjoy I'm gonna anyone
2: enjoy you need to s- see
1: anyone you need to see besides family like yeah like uh
2: when you get older you don't even know anybody anymore like my group went from 36 down to i think i'm down to two i think i have two stragglers left and that is that no i have people to see but um what you do know, you mean like they don't fit. they don't do anything anymore or they're just not around they're not how in do this, you they're not well, in new york yeah. oh yeah i seen those pictures of you uh, in meatpacking. You know how many of those people you talk to or see? See? You see them once? My meatpacking photos, I'm all like still, I talk to those guys all the time. They're all the same. Oh, no, Talk, yeah, same thing here. We have a fantasy. We're on the same league. T- but to actually go hang out with them? When was the last time you saw them? I know when. Weddings and funerals. That's the only time you see your lifelong friends. I'll see a couple of after them in a opening a day. Age
1: thankfully. But yeah, you're right. Okay. Tell you what, the girls are much better at getting together than the guys. I don't know what it is.
2: Friendsgiving and stuff like that. I don't know.
1: Yeah. They have these made up, uh, holidays and and excuses and things to go. My wife, I mean, once a month they put dates on the calendar, they meet up, they go out for dinner in the city. We could, we would never, we never, we have no energy to do it. I don't know. No one wants to organize it. No one wants to put it together. We're all just, uh, lazy about it. Well, there you go. Then now you
2: just answered your own question about who I'm going to be seeing. You know, it's a whole, like, you got to understand, even when I was like, you want to see an Islander game? Like, oh, what about parking? But these are all, what are about the, those guys the, married what about kids? Get-
1: Are those guys married with kids, or are they kind of uh, bachelors like like yourself? Here's the news: If you're married with kids, you're part of this. Like, yes, those two people I told you—they're
2: the last stragglers, and you know we'll just hang out, watch a game or something. It doesn't have to be some big thing. With 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 one of your married friends, just saying, "Hey, you want to come over, watch the game?" That is even a massive Uh, production. Exactly. I mean, we exactly. all
1: kind of live, like, we all, it's weird, like, none of us, only out of eight of us that are in, like, our group chat, like, one of us, I think, still lives in Brooklyn. Everyone else has moved. New Jersey, well, Long Island, again, Connecticut, etc. It's all over the place, so no one's getting you're
2: together. Ans- you're answering all the questions. It's a, a mix between moving, responsibility, laziness, all of the above. That's your standard progression into, you know, the middle-aged years. Mm-hmm.
1: What I haven't really done yet is uh, kind of make make a move with some of the, you know, the dad friends I have here now in Connecticut. Like if there are kids stuff and they're there, we hang out, we chill, have a good time during the day, you know, birthday parties, school events, whatever it may be. But I haven't like made the move. It's 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 somewhat awkward to like text, you know, dads that you've kind of just met through like your daughter's school and be like, hey, you know, what are you doing? Alan Drew's lightning on Thursday night. What do you, <laughs> want to get to, want to get together at the bar, you know? Like I haven't been able to make that move quite yet, you know. So uh, we'll. See. I have
2: better luck for things like you know, uh, kind of like oh, let's watch the AFC champ, like you know, playoffs where you can maybe get a Sunday or something like that. That usually is better. And if there are younger people listening, I mean. We we must sound real miserable,
1: right? It's gonna now. happen to you. I didn't think it was gonna happen to me. It's gonna happen to you too. I mean, you got it's 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 few and far between. The energy levels are just not there. The desire, everything just seems a lot harder. Everyone's like, I gotta get dressed, I gotta drive there, I gotta get back home. The kids are gonna be up at six thirty and not gonna want you know, it's it's a whole it's a whole to do. Um You think Chris Campoli's hanging out with his friends? Campoli's probably hanging out with Bruno Gervais and uh <laughs> Jack Hillen and, and uh, all those guys so uh, well listen um, welcome back to New York have a safe trip back you and your uh, your brother and and you know DVR some stuff get your get your mom on the, the scheduling of the series so you don't got to do it kind of a la yeah. carte anymore yeah. you just kind of have it have the whole series schedule for her reruns included so she doesn't miss anything and you'll be all set absolutely sounds good have a happy Easter as well, my man. Yeah, I mean, I hope Bruce uh, delivers uh, delivers a little bit extra for for the Easter crowd um, on on Sunday night, and hopefully that won't be the last time I'm at UBS Arena. And then you know, because if there is a playoff series, I will probably find my way to at least um, one game. I think if if there's a, I'm very sentimental when it comes to things. Like I like to be at the first and the last, so like I could see myself wanting to be at like the first UBS playoff game. Um, if, if it does happen and if it does hopefully it's against Carolina or New Jersey and not the Boston Bruins and we will all find that out um in the next week or so so we'll see whether or not we sneak in one more uh before the end of the regular season um we possibly can do and then if not we'll have an end of the season wrap-up that will be extremely negative or we'll be uh, getting ready for a first round playoff series so we'll uh we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out all right. Well, listen, for Mr. Andy Francis, go check out his T-shirts, folks. If you're out there and you're listening and you've been a sniffer, he's tested them. <laughs> he's put them in the laundry. He's seen how they don't shrink. High quality. Adorable, Pre-shrunk. Right? Pre-shrunk. Pre-shrunk. Adorable. No run on them. Go out there and uh, pre-order yourself a Sniffin' is Believe in shirt. And uh, <laughs> we appreciate the support, obviously, for the podcast. Made it into the top 50 hockey podcast last week. Thank you, uh, Sniffers and everyone else that's listening. And hopefully my mic issues got solved. We tried to figure out some of that. I sounded a little echoey in the last uh, couple. So thank you for enduring that if you were listening over the last couple of weeks. For Andy Francis, I am Joe Bono. We will talk to you next time, Islanders Country. Good night.